Pushkin. Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10 times points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. Before they were legends of outlaw country, they were lost souls looking for their sound. Don't miss Mandy Moore and the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Hear how one woman's vision and her tiny living room, far from Nashville's Music Row, became the epicenter of a musical movement. Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in The Boar's Nest. Listen now at audible.com slash The Boar's Nest. Hey y'all, it's Justin Richmond. Today on the show, we're talking to Grammy award-winning musician Adrian Quesada. He's best known as one half of the Black Pumas with singer Eric Burton. But since the pandemic started, he's been working on a solo project called Boleros Psychedelicos, or Psychedelic Boleros. Inspired by Adrian's longtime love of psychedelic music and Latin American love songs of the 60s and 70s, he started thinking about how he might recreate boleros and baladas. The album includes singers from all over Latin America, as well as Tom Waits guitarist Mark Ribot and Beastie Boy collaborator Money Mark. Released in June, Boleros Psychedelicos reached number one on the Billboard Latin album chart. On today's episode, Adrian and a few of the singers featured on the album, Ile, Angelica Garcia, and Tita, talk about how the new album came together, their collaborative process, and how boleros and baladas fit into Latin music today. This is Broken Record, liner notes for the digital age. I'm Justin Richmond. Here's my conversation with Adrian Quesada and his collaborators, Ile, Angelica Garcia, and Tita. So Adrian, last time I was talking to you was for the Black Pumas record. You've been riding like a wave of love and success on that record that was seemingly unexpected, I'd imagine. And your new project is Bolero Psychedelicos. And it's a solo-ish project, a project that you did yourself featuring a bunch of different singers. How did this come together? So this was very much a pandemic record, you know, and always wanted to do something like this because I've, I've just really been obsessed with this kind of music for a long time. But when the pandemic started, I was supposed to be on tour with Black Pumas all of 2020. 
like everybody else, you know, like my ear just cleared out. And all of a sudden, like I was home, I had nothing to do. Uh, you know, some people were like baking bread and stuff, getting hobbies during the pandemic. But I just started making music. I felt like that was what was keeping me from getting depressed. I just finally had time to do this. I just started cranking out a ton of music, a ton of instrumentals, and then uh, just started reaching out to amazing collaborators like uh, Tita, Angelica Garcia, Ile, and they kind of brought it all to life. When in the process of tinkering and sort of just trying to distract yourself, did the idea for this record come? I had a playlist that I put together of a lot of songs in this kind of style, and then it helps me finish things if I have a concept. Otherwise, I'll I'll make a hundred songs and never finish them, you know. So like, that helped me very much just kind of make it cohesive. What were some of those songs on your playlist? We should play one. Yeah, one of the anchors was a song by La Lupe called uh, "Puedes Decir de Mi," and that song I had just been listening to a lot. Thought like there's songs like that that you can't. I'm not gonna top that song you know so we might as well just cover it and uh, <laughs> get it out of my system but it was a good exercise for me to like do that and, and recreate it sometimes that's just a good exercise to do something like that and uh, actually one of the first people I called was Gabi Moreno who sang that Ditas who's sitting next to me's sister and Gabi was all about it and that was one of the first songs that came together. Do you mind if we listen to the Lupe version for a bit? No go ahead. Where did you hear that song? I don't even remember where I heard that one, to tell you the truth. You know, just listening to a lot of music. Uh, I discovered that one just recently, just a few years ago. But when I hear a song that I like like that, I'll listen to it 10 times a day and then three times at night for like a month straight. So that was just the only song I could listen to for a little while. What stood out to you about it? Oh, man, so much. I mean, she's an incredible vocalist. And just the, I love the arrangement. I love that the drummer was nasty on it the whole song was just i don't know i just i don't know at the time it just all really spoke to me i think that the like the drama in the, in these songs is one of the things that for whatever reason at the time was was really appealing what genre would that be considered if you could pin a genre on it you know i don't really know i mean a funky bolero maybe a funky bolero yeah <laughs> yeah well you know because the song if you like play the song just like on a guitar and a singer that's a bolero you know but the arrangement is different what makes a bolero? It's a ballad. I mean, I don't know how else you would you break down a, a bolero like. It tends to be romantic. It can be like a slow and very passionate uh, with the songs and the interpretation, but also very intimate, maybe. And they can be, a bolero can be made with like a big arrangement or also can be just played with a guitar and very bohemian-ish. I don't know exactly the definition, but <laughs> mm-hmm. something like that. <laughs> so it's like a romantic song, story song? So, yeah, I think the lyrical content, mostly love, you know, romance, heartbreak. Like a diary-ish. <laughs> kind of like a ballad at its core, you know. But there's a style to like the certain chord progressions and things and that make it, that you can identify, you know, like in that song. Is there like an era or a certain 
like the, I'm trying to think of like equivalents that would have been like the stack sound or the Motown sound. Is there like a, an equivalent for that? Would it have been through Fania or would there have been like a particular time or group that would most identify some of the sounds, I guess, at least that inspired this, like La Lupe, for instance? The genre of bolero, I think, goes from Cuba a long time ago to very much like the vocal groups harmonizing. And then in Mexico, there was kind of their own interpretation of it. And this particular album kind of references the like late 60s, early 70s, electric instruments, arrangements. And like Ila was saying, it very much kind of started on a, you know, a guitar, acoustic instruments and and vocals. But I think in the late 60s, and early 70s was when people started to, uh, you know, play with electric instruments and the drummer would play kind of funky. And like there was certain things like that. And that's this that's very much the era that this album was inspired by. So it's almost like what British blues acts in the 60s did to like more traditional style blues like spoonful started as like an acoustic more folky i guess song or whatever and then cream gets it and makes it like this like insane electric psychedelic version is that kind of what happened to the bolero at some point something like that except it wasn't the british it was like latin america continued to do you know what i mean like it wasn't like it came to the u.s and then latin like these groups are from you know chile and mexico and still very much have what's happening in latin america like but yeah, they, they basically electrified it. You know. Did you guys grow up with this? Like maybe everyone can sort of speak to that. Like Adrian, you grew up in Texas. Would this have been a sound that you heard growing up? No, no. I, I probably grew up more with like the more traditional Los Panchos, like things like that from Mexico where it was very much just like a vocal group and, and light. I didn't know that this electric psychedelic type stuff existed. I grew up in Guatemala, but not not in my house <laughs> specifically, but maybe like I remember at parties or in school maybe at one point. It's very popular. All the songs are very popular in Latin America, so obviously everyone knows them. <laughs> so yeah, there are songs that, of course, I know them. Got it. And Angelica, you're from L.A., right? Yeah. I'm Salva Mex American, so I grew up in and around LA and other parts of the US. A lot of the stuff that my family listened to was based in like ranchera music and also like cumbia, kind of essential. So I heard bolero sometimes, but it wasn't as played in my house. Ile, where did you grow up in? I'm from Puerto Rico, so yeah, I grew up listening to boleros a lot because. In Puerto Rico, you hear a lot of salsa, and a lot of salsa singers also sang boleros. So, um, like, at the same time, you can dance a salsa, but then you can uh, feel a bolero. And and we still do it. Like, there's some, like, street karaoke's in Puerto Rico that uh, some older people go and sing, like, classical boleros. Or sometimes, like, with a guitar, it's, like, very, you know, normal there to go to a place and someone is just playing boleros with a guitar. So, yeah, I kind of grew up uh, a lot with different types of music, but bolero and salsa was one of the main music. That's interesting. So, yeah, so, like, salsa music's about dancing. A salsa singer then throwing a bolero in a set would be, like, Michael Jackson just throwing a ballad in a set or something, right? It's just, like, gonna, we're going to slow it down. Yeah, and with salsa, they experimented a lot. I, I mean, salsa has a lot of jazz and a lot of funk. Uh, so there are some boleros that 
have like a funky uh, but like a slow funky uh, style especially like with Fania uh, singers that in the 70s they explored with all that stuff some of them were living in New York so they like explored a lot with music that was going on in New York and with the salsa mix so it was very interesting there's a lot of cool songs so it can be a slow burn it can be a, a slow funky number yeah There's another cover song on here that Tita you sang yeah. by Jeanette, right? El Muchacho de los Ojos Tristes. Can we listen to a bit of the original? <laughs> yeah, sure. Cool. And then we'll listen to your version. Damn, that's a good song. <laughs> we should listen to your version of El Muchacho de los Ojos Tristes. Let's just listen to a bit of that. That's a beautiful interpretation. So I imagine that must have started with you hearing that and getting obsessed with it. Adrian, is that true? Would have started with you hearing it and getting obsessed? I had never heard that song. And probably March 2020, like right when I started working on some of this music, my daughter was playing it in the house in like another room on her phone. How old is she? 16. Oh, man. She's got great taste. She has amazing taste. <laughs> and she was 14 at the time. And uh, wow, she was playing it on her phone. And I was in my studio, but I had the door open because my studio used to be at my house. And uh, it was like the Bugs Bunny cartoons. Like, Tum! I just like took off running. I was like, what is that? And she goes, Jeanette. And I was like, okay. I went back and like the next day I, I laid down a version of it uh, and I changed the feel of it. When you get inspired to recreate a song like that, I'm sure it's different every time. So maybe we'll say specifically this one. Where do you start? Where did you start on this one? It's funny. I, I actually, in my head, I thought that I would uh, send it to, you know, the band Krungbin. I was like, yeah, oh, I want to yeah, get, yeah. th get them to replay it. What made you go to her to, to sing it, Adrian? One of the first people I talked about with this project was Gabby Moreno. And she, you know, Gabby is Tita's sister. And as soon as I mentioned this song, she was like, oh, you have to reach out to my sister. She's like, she, she knows the song. And, uh, you know, getting a co-sign from Gabby was enough for me to, to reach out to Tita. And she, it's perfect, you know, absolutely perfect. It's really funny that when I started um, making music, everyone kept telling me that my music, my style, my voice was like Jeanette's. They could see like the resemblance or like in the style and everything. And of course she's an inspiration, but I I never thought about it like that. And then I kept listening to Jeanette's music and I I really love it. And so it's funny because Gabby told me, oh like you always sing like really soft, you know, like um you have this voice. Like a delicate voice? Yeah, but it's it's a contrast because my lyrics are like really dark or about heartbreaks or it's never a happy lyric, you know, it's, it's never a happy song. But with my voice, it's like this song from Jeanette, like the lyrics is really sad, but, you know, it makes you want to dance. Did you listen to it and try to emulate it? Did you listen to it and try to find your own voice in it? Or did you just pull up the lyrics and then just try to sing along to Adrian's track? Like, how did you... You know, I didn't want to listen to, to it a lot because then I was going to sound like exactly like Jeanette and I didn't want that. So I rather just like keep listening to the version that Adrian sent me. 
which I love, by the way, and I love that it's a little a little faster, right? Yeah, it's just a different feel. It just ch- changes the, the feel. I felt really comfortable singing this because it's like my style. It really came out really natural. Yeah, it's a cool version of it. It's like the tempo might be faster. I'm not sure, but it has a like a bit. laid back mm-hmm. like groove to it that makes it like a little different and yeah, interesting. Yeah, uh, I actually sent um, the vocal tracks and a few other things to a uh, producer mutual friend with Ile from Puerto Rico named Pachiman, uh, who's an amazing dub producer and musician. And I sent the vocals and a few separate things to him. To he, He's kind of a dub scientist, master guy, and uh, to dub it out. And he sent it back to me, and then I snuck it into the track. So it has, like, light flourishes of dub in there, too. Who is Jeanette? She's an inspiration to a lot of um, modern musicians, like Natalia Lafourcade and a lot of, you know... Mexican or Latin American female singers. I don't know, have you heard this song, Por Que Te Vas? It's another hit by Jeanette. No. Should I play some? If you want. amazing <laughs> that's a great song yeah yeah Ile, is the song that you sang was it a cover no uh yes i wrote the lyrics and adrian did the whole music let's listen to it a bit and then i want i want to ask about that Yo, that's beautiful and funky and like dirty all at the same time. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Mentiras con cariño. This is a much more traditional song than I guess you would normally perform, right, Ile? Uh, maybe. It's, it's a part of me as well, <laughs> I think. Did you have the lyrics already when Adrian approached you to collaborate or did you write something sp- no, specific to, to, not, to work together? Not at all. It was it was crazy because obviously it was all in the middle of the pandemic and my mind was in, in another place. Uh, and then suddenly Adrian asked me, like, do you want to do like a cover song or an, an original song? And I said, let's do an original song. <laughs> I wanted to take the risk. Uh, but it was very fun uh, to work with Adrian because... I I started analyzing, you know, his musical taste uh, at first (laughs) to see if we were going to be on the same page. He sent me some songs of boleros and I connected immediately because like he liked uh, a lot of boleros that I also liked because boleros, you know, they have their own style, like Adrian said before. So like you can like a bolero that maybe I don't connect with as much and it's some other style. So it was nice to see when he... He sent me like some cool bolero songs and and we started, you know, getting into a a particular vibe for this song. I like that she was testing you, Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Let me see what's going on first. What's your taste like? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I needed to, you know, because like bolero is so, uh, uh, you know, uh, amplio. Mm -hmm. Open-ended kind of like. 
Yeah, um, and I also like, you know, these dark bolero songs as well because there's some wonderful, like, bright boleros that are amazing, but I always, like, go dark. Like, even if even when I don't want to go dark, like, darkness, like, wants me to go there. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, and I also enjoy boleros. You, sh you should watch out for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I try to manage it. Um, but, yeah, and I, and I also like, um, you know, there's some wonderful singers And, and I love like great, uh, like uh, fantastic, you know, spectacular voices. But I also enjoy like the like this attitude voices. You know, if I, it's someone that you might know, like Dinah Washington. Oh, yeah. She had an amazing voice. But at the same time, she was like talking to you mm -hmm. through her voice. So um, in Boleros, there are some other singers that have that style as well. Like they're telling you something very directly. And that's something that I wanted to do with the lyrics, you know, transmit that attitude like in a more, uh, you know, direct way as telling yeah. you something very important. <laughs> What were you trying to say with that song? When you uh, suddenly uh, feel that in a relationship that you settle with something, but then suddenly you, you realize that uh, you're settle settling like with abuse, you know, because sometimes abuse can be small and difficult to perceive, but it's still abuse. And sometimes I feel like we get used to abusive patterns in a relationship, maybe because we've seen it in our family members or, or so, um, but we don't have to... Uh, repeat things that always have been wrong or we don't have to tolerate anything that we don't want to. Um, so it's that moment when uh, she realizes that and she says, this is something that I don't like. Like even if you bring me flowers or if you try to decorate it, like at the core it's not working and it's and it's hurtful and it's not a good relationship. So it's, she's just saying in the chorus, like she's not to tolerate lies with cariño, with affection. She, she don't want to tolerate lies with affection. <laughs> so it's very dramatic. <laughs> I connected with that era as well <laughs> with the music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. It almost, to me, almost sounds like a, like a RZA track. You know, like it's like there's this sinister feel to it. I don't know why, but like there's just like a, a dark, gritty feel. Oh, well, yeah, like Ila said, you know, she wanted it to be moody and, and set a tone, like, you know, especially with some of the subject matter to just feel like vibey and kind of moody and not, you know, we weren't making a, a particularly bright, cheery song. So it was definitely setting that mood. But it also, I think hip hop was such a huge influence on me when I was growing up. In my head, I'm, I want to head Bob like I'm listening to a hip hop song. Like going back to the beginning of your production journey, did it start with like hip hop production? Yeah, actually, I mean, I started playing guitar when I was a teenager and played Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and skate punk stuff and whatever, like was really into guitar. But the first music that I started to try to uh, recreate and dissect was uh, hip hop. And then also my first actual like trying to make my own music was with an MPC 2000. An MPC 2000, just so people know, it's like a sampler, sampler. old sampler. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of hip hop producers in the 90s use those. And that was my first introduction into like programming and sampling and production and whatnot. What were you sampling at the time? When I was doing that at the time, I mean, I had a lot of records and that was like kind of the crate digging, like when there was compilations of cool samples and stuff. But when I first got my MPC 2000, I was really into jazz and I was sampling like just weird jazz Uh, free jazz and avant-garde jazz and stuff like that but just learning how to 
do that, you know, because of the sound of the drums of an MPC 2000, that's how I want drums to sound all the time. You know, as much as I used to listen to Guns N' Roses when I was a little kid, I don't, I don't hear the drums like that. I hear the drums like Pete Rock. You don't hear the Paradise City drums? I, I mean, I can play all those songs on guitar, <laughs> but, you know, my drums, I want them to sound like a hip-hop drummer, you know. So that production style kind of like has stayed with you over, over the years? Just about everything I've ever, like, I can't, I can't shake it. It was just too much part of who I am. How's it grown now? Because you're not still using a sampler, right? I've tried to bring three back to life that I have here in the studio, NPCs, but it's like having an old car. It's a lot of upkeep and stuff. And it's just pr- way more convenient now to do stuff on the computer and whatnot. But honestly, like a lot of these things are just, we do live drums. We have to take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more from Adrian, Angelica, Tita, and Ile. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch is marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Willie Nelson, Waylon Jennings, Chris Christopherson. How did the biggest names in outlaw country start a musical revolution? through one woman's vision from one tiny living room. Don't miss Mandy Moore as Sue Brewer in the new scripted Audible original, The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of outlaw country music. Discover the true untold story of the extraordinary woman behind the outlaw country music movement and its biggest stars. Brewer helped shape the sound and soul of country music as we know it today, despite never picking up an instrument herself. Lovingly dubbed The Boar's Nest, Sue's Place was an intimate staging ground where a new breed of singer-songwriters, wounded souls, wayward upstarts, would spur each other on to tap into something bigger, realer. Starring Mandy Moore and featuring Eben Moss Bacharach as Shel Silverstein and TJ Osborne as Johnny Cash alongside a full ensemble cast. 
Audible invites you to enter the boar's nest and experience the rise of a musical revolution. One woman, one time, one place. The Boar's Nest, Sue Brewer and the birth of Outlaw Country Music. Listen now at audible.com slash the boar's nest. We're back with the rest of my conversation with Adrian Quesada and his collaborators. Like on this record, you played almost everything yourself or? I started everything myself and then would send it to people like that one has a Jay Mumford on drums. He used to be a hip hop producer and DJ rapper historian from New York named Jay Zone. So a lot of these, I, I'm not like a great drummer. I would just do what I had to do. And then I would think like it would be a lot better if somebody else just played these. So I sent them all off and friend, a lot of friends replayed drums and then keyboards and stuff like that. And then I kind of did the rest, you know, besides other things I can't do, like flutes and violins, whatever you hear, like orchestral stuff. I, that's not me at all. Did you arrange it still? A little bit. And then uh, a lot of that was just, um, um, actually, I'll shout out Brian Donahoe, who does all the flutes on the album, was incredible with his arrangements because he just understood where to fit in. And, and uh, you know, he would just send me tons of ideas back. And then I just kind of arrange that, you know. And again, that's where the sampling comes in. I would just take little parts that I liked and put one here and put one here and, like, move that around. But he he did an amazing job. Again, during the pandemic, like, none of us were ever in the same room. So it's a different... Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Nobody ever came into the room. Were you listening in on like the sessions, like when when they sang? Or no, you just, no. They just send stuff over. Just send stuff over. Would there be retakes? Like go back, try maybe try it again, like a couple tries at it, or not necessarily. To tell you the truth, uh-huh. it was more from a technical standpoint. Some people were recording in a bedroom, then some people would record in a professional studio, and then you know some. So there was a little bit of back and forth with with Mentiras, with Ile and I. We took us a while to land on the chorus, and then when we got it, it was like hit it. So. We should listen to a little bit of uh, Angelica's track, Idolo. Is that cool? Yes. What happened there, guys? <laughs> that was awesome. That's an original from me and Adrian. And so that was that was super cool. Hard to believe that was done remote. So you were in Texas, in Austin. Where were you, Angelica? Adrian actually caught me at a really big point of transition. I'd been living in Virginia and I was prepping to move back to LA. And I was really going through some things. <laughs> and I was listening to a lot of Chabela Vargas at the time. So she's like ranchera music right um so it was kind of the perfect time to actually ask me to write boleros lyrics because i was very much in that headspace of like sadness and ranchera music's like predominantly like mexican music right it's like a mexican folk music pretty much i grew up in a family of singers like my mom used to sing as a child at rodeos like and sing ranchera music and so I had like 
strong voices from that style in my family. I could definitely hear some of the similarities with Bolero's music. Like, I don't know Bolero's as much as, like, Ile does, but I know that I, like, Granchera's super powerful, and it's very, like, the lyrics are very important. So the styles are similar. It's lyric-driven, emotionally potent music, right? I guess, yeah. And then how did you decide to do an original versus find a cover? I personally really love lyrics. It's one of my favorite ways to express myself. I like the chance to be poetic with them, too. Um, And, you know, pop music doesn't always allow for that. But this was just kind of like a perfect opportunity to really be as poetic as I wanted to be. Is pop music typically kind of what where you're working? I, I guess I do kind of like alternative pop. And I mean, I still love my lyrics and stuff. Like I, I still try to prioritize them, but it was nice to lean into the genre and the feel and know that I could go there and it would have a solid foundation. Like I wouldn't have to convince people of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Like in pop, there's a little more like you got to make sure people are following you, I guess. Yeah. What are some of the lyrics to this? I was just imagining this person's eyes. And like, it's kind of like, in mis horas turbulentas solo oigo tu voz. Like, in my turbulent hours, your voice is the only thing that I hear. Embrujada con potencia que hemos probado los dos. And I'm like apologizing to everybody in the room because my Spanish is like probably the worst (laughs) of everybody. Not at all. (laughs) But um, it's like... um, bewitched by the potency that we have both felt and like your your shadow is so beautiful that it costs me my free will to know it I really went there shout out to everybody for being moody (laughs) AF on this record we feel you we feel you yeah what was it about where you were at that took you there lyrically I was in love with somebody you know and also just like the big transition of like moving in such a heavy time in my life and having to say goodbye to so many people and not being able to say goodbye in the way that you wanted to. There was like definitely a particular person on my mind, but you know, just the heaviness of not being able to say what you want to say in the moment because you can't. Yeah. You know? Well, I got to say too, like, the, the, like, did you end up moving back to LA? Yeah, I did. Mm-hmm. How did you get to... Virginia, I mean, I can't think of two places more dissimilar than L.A. and Virginia. I moved when I was a teenager with my family. But yeah, Richmond is awesome. There's so much cool arts. And I think I recorded like in my apartment for the first draft on a garage band. And Adrian's like, nah, nah, let's get you to do it in a studio in L.A. (laughs) This garage band mic sucks. (laughs) But yeah, it was awesome. I don't remember which friend I got to work with. Um, Alberto Lopez, who also played perco- in L.A., right? You recorded yeah, with him. Yeah, yeah. He also played percussion on Mentiras con Cariño. Yeah, Amazing. he was awesome. The percussion on this is incredible. Mm. We should talk a little bit about your voice, too. Your voice was incredible on that. Thank you. When did you start singing? As a child, I guess. I just, I always had music around me and I loved it. And I was taught by my family, basically, like, singing to the radio and stuff until... I was in high school and I went to this, it was like a public 
arts high school in LA and I had an incredible like jazz voice teacher named Pat Bass. And I think having that real education, like I, I definitely had like a, a rootsy like home education and my mom would always be like, mm, do it again. I don't believe you. It's, <laughs> it's not good. I don't believe you. Like, and I think Ranchero was especially great to learn first because it's so emotive. And she's like, I, if I don't believe you, what's the point of you singing? Like, you're wow. supposed to be full heart heartache right now. And you don't sound like it. You know, you just sound like whatever, you know. And Her mom did, her, uh, did your job for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, she's great. Executive producer. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so, like, my uh, the jazz teacher, Pat Bass, she's incredible. And she kind of, like, helped me, like, finesse it, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. just really clean it up and go with breath and everything. And Adrian, so how did you find the music for the lyrics to that? Uh, that one, you know, so I had this inspiration playlist that, that I would reference, you know, when I started it. But honestly, at a certain point into it, I kind of stopped listening to it when I was writing original music. I kind of stopped for a while and was like, I don't want to like just recreate songs. First, it was really important to dissect the Jeanette song and dissect what is this to me and all that to really get those, that like the way that the chord progressions move and stuff in my head. But then at some point I stopped and was like, I, can't, I need to do my own thing with it or I might as well just do all covers, you know? So yeah. I think by that point, I honestly wasn't really listening anymore. I was just off and playing stuff that was at some point sort of loosely inspired. So that one really didn't have that real traditional like anything bolero what the only thing it did have and i love what what she did with it was you know some of those songs are like have this kind of brooding kind of dark thing and then they go real happy it's like theater or something <laughs> yeah. like it's like everything's real sad and then everybody's super happy that was a very bipolar song but in a you beautiful know, way <laughs> but then it comes back to just like hey, we're all happy and we're all in love but like back to like no everything's dark and everything's sad and that's how <laughs> And sometimes they end on the up note, sometimes they don't. But that one, I, I that was the only thing I threw in was like the like, oh, everything's, you know, happy and everybody's in love and birds and flutes. and But oh, then yeah. back to the darkness. And, uh, and she wrote it perfectly and just made it real theatrical. So that's about the only thing that had the influence of a bolero on that one, you know, is going to that real major section. It's hard for me to do anything in, with major chords. It was just an impression of a bolero. Any plans to take this on the road somehow or to take this further than just the record or i would love to do it if y'all are down it would be very hard to take this on the road there's a lot of people we only have <laughs> yeah. three out of like 10 singers here but uh but yeah i think you know we're talking about a couple you know it could be cool to do a couple of exclusive concerts here and there but you know i think the logistically it might be very hard to do anything i want to listen to one more track it's instrumental, and it's with College of Knowledge. Eso no lo he dicho yo. Hopefully I said that right. Here we go. what I love about this record is like you managed to create a vibe 
everything has like a really incredible, great vibe to it and groove to it. But the songs didn't sacrifice because of it. You know, it's not like you didn't just like loop something and just create like a simple groove that could just kind of get you uh, in like this sort of like meditative space. It's like these songs are so dramatic and move so much. Like listening to that one, it was almost like um, like a John Barry <laughs> like mm-hmm. song or something like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. like those old James mm-hmm. Bond, like John Barry cuts, like uh, Goldfinger or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it just moves everywhere, but it still manages to just have like this really heavy vibe. And it's incredible. Thank you. Because everything is so heavy emotionally and lyrically, I imagine this kind of like a movie or like a theater piece. And the reason there's a couple of instrumentals is I thought those would be like intermissions, you know, like give you a little break from the like drama. Yeah. You know, it's like, go go get your popcorn and your glass of wine and come back after the intermission. And then well, to, to, to that point, it's, that makes it so much like a movie score, like the, yeah, even yeah. like the old, like, um, you know, exploitation albums like mm-hmm. Truck Turner or mm-hmm. Trouble Man, right? Where it'd be like, you'd get those instrumental cuts. I love that each song is really different from one another. Yeah, each each song is very different. And, yeah. and not just because the featured singer is different, it's like, or the featured group is different. It's like... Each song just has its own spirit, which is super cool. That song was is a cover. That was something I was actually sending some ideas to uh, uh, Omar Aputondo, amazing Cuban oh. singer who Gabby worked with. And I was submitting them some instrumentals. And I started, what I just do is start like dissecting songs and redoing them just to get in the mood. And by that point, I was almost finishing the album. And I was pretty hitting a wall and just kind of like sick of it. It just all started sounding the same. And with that one, I actually... I sent it to College of Knowledge's alias of a really dope group called uh, Surprise Chef. At that point, I sent it to them and they were like, what do you want to do? I was like, just replay it all. I'm sick of it. I hate this album. I hate my life. I I hate this music. I'm done. I don't know what else to do. I just sent it to them and they completely replayed it and they sent it back. And I was like, there it is. (laughs) Every once in a while, a producer gets to do that. You know, you just call the right people and what a p diddy said uh, i don't write rhymes i write checks so that one i was just like man just replay it please i can't do this anymore and like they Bad just sent it all boy. back I just, yeah yeah i just mixed it and so i i can't take a lot of credit on that one so funny so you said that one was intended for amara patunda yeah i was i was actually uh just recreating a lot of her her older material just to kind of get to start sending her some things but that one i just kind of set aside i was like this is really cool and and thought it would be a good one addition to the album Fantastic. I should just say for people, I mean, like she's like famously from like the Buena Vista Social mm-hmm. Club is how you would know her voice. Legend. Yeah. Um, amazing, amazing, legendary Cuban singer. We're, we're still performing. So we're lucky to still have with us. You should still send something over to her. You got to get her on something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this obviously was like kind of, I guess, in a way, a one off because pandemic boredom. But how much do you plan on sort of being able to keep doing these projects like that like you know like when something inspires you to sort of be able to just dive into a world for an album or two i mean i I love doing that it's hard to i kind of get obsessive about stuff like that you know i i try to have hobbies you know like i try to ride my bike and play basketball but the hobbies just inspire like i get an idea on a bike ride i'm like damn i gotta get to the studio and do something you know like i I always (laughs) think like it'd be healthy for me to not be in the studio and not work on music but all the hobbies if I think if I went fishing, like, I'd be like, have a song idea. And they're like, oh, I need to get back. So I don't know. Uh, as as time permits, you know. Are you going to still keep doing Black Pumas? Yeah, yeah, our touring schedule is still pretty heavy. You know, cool. this year we're still, yeah, yeah. besides all the touring right now, still 
made up dates from 2020. You know, we have we have yeah, our, yeah, I'm yeah. I'm leaving. You know, in a few days again. Wow. Tomorrow, actually. Are you guys gonna write anything more too? Or yeah, we have a lot of new music yeah. in the works. Yeah, Amazing. we have a lot a lot of stuff. Cool, cool. Can't wait to hear that. Last time we spoke, I didn't realize that you were involved in a Cote Soul sounds. Yes, yes. Your CD Taurus. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go out on one of those songs, like soundtracked, like every party I threw for oh, like, wow. like maybe a year and a half. You know? Oh, crazy, man. <laughs> awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was a project with um, my good friend, Martin Berna from Antibalas. And he and I made uh, four albums under Ocote Soul Sounds. And, uh, you know, it's funny, our, our debut album, El Nino del Sol, actually is uh, next year is the 20 year anniversary for it. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. So we... Uh, we're looking to kind of re-release some of the stuff next year. But uh, yeah, that was a super fun project that we did, um, you know, started as kind of a one-off, turned into four albums. We did a little bit of touring, but our individual um, touring schedules and life and everything made it hard to really do it. But yeah, that was that was one of my favorite things, you know, to be involved in. So good. I want to I play a little bit of this song on the way out, NL Temblor, uh, featuring Chico Man, which is uh, Marcos Garcia, from, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who happened uh-huh. to know from around Long Beach, mm-hmm. from Antibalas. Uh, yeah, so this is one of this. my favorite things ever done. Yeah, that album. One of the best things ever. Still so good. Thank you, man. Thank you. Still so good, man. <laughs> Just had to play that because I geeked, I geeked out when I realized that. Yo, everyone, thank you so much for, uh, for, for, for hanging out for a bit on Zoom. Appreciate it. Thank Thank you, man. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you too. Thanks to Adrian Quesada, Ile, Angelica, and Tita for walking us through their songs on Boleros Psychodelicos. To hear the album and our favorite Adrian Quesada-produced songs, check out the playlist at brokenrecordpodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash brokenrecordpodcast, where you can find all of our new episodes. You can follow us on Twitter at Broken Record. Broken Record is produced with help from Leah Rose, Jason Gambrell, Ben Tolliday, Eric Sandler, and Jennifer Sanchez, with engineering help from Nick Chafee. Our executive producer is Mia Lobel. Broken Record is a production of Pushkin Industries. If you like this show and others from Pushkin, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted ad-free listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review us on your podcast app. Our theme music's by Kenny Beats. I'm Justin Richmond. Every week at Broken Record, we meet with legends of the industry to uncover the meaning behind the music, the strategy and history that separate the good from the truly great. That's what Mark Chaikin does, but for the U.S. stock market. Mark is a creative legend in his own right. He worked on Wall Street for 50 years, invented three new indices for the NASDAQ, and has predicted some of the biggest market shifts of the past decade, including the recent mania in AI stocks. Now Mark says we're seeing a similar shakeup in the financial markets. He's calling this a new dawn for the U.S. stock market and predicts dozens of specific stocks will soar in the next 90 days. You can watch Mark's presentation for free at marketmessage2024.com right now. Again, the link to watch 
is marketmessage2024.com. That's marketmessage2024.com. Musora is your access to online music lessons for guitar, piano, drums, and singing. This is your chance to reignite some old musical passions or pick up an instrument for the first time. Connect with more than 100 of the world's best teachers and musicians. You'll get seven days totally free to try it out. And then it's just $30 a month, less than a single private lesson. I mean, why do we do Broken Record? Not just because we love hearing from great musicians. We do it because we think that there is something beautiful about the appreciation of music. Don't you think we need more of that in our lives these days? That's the mission of Musora, to inspire, educate, and connect musicians. Enjoy unlimited personal support, weekly live streams, student lesson plans. It's like having a personal music teacher, only much, much better. Just go to musora.com, M-U-S-O-R-A.com, to start a new musical journey today.